Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Could you whisper in my ear the things you want to feel? I'll give you anything to feel it coming. Do you wake up on your own? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. To basketball conference the acc football podcast my name is joey weaver i'm a georgia tech grad and a louisville fan he's mike mcdaniel he is a virginia tech grad and a notre dame fan mike first question are you riding the d train uh i was from like middle of october on <laughs> you and boston college as well uh yeah the, the d train was a, a quite a uh, a revelation this year for boston college left the station it, it did leave the station. Yeah, Boston College in 2017 uh, looked pretty dead in the water, I think I would say. Uh, they were 2-4 and four and heading to Louisville. And that's when they found they found out about the uh, the B-train, as it were, A.J. Dillon. And the offense really took off from there. Uh, and Boston College got real hot towards the end of the year. They went from 2-4 and four and they finished 7-5. and five. Uh, You know, they won five of their last six, which was a, a really strong run for them. So, Mike, they finished seven and six with a loss in the bowl game to Iowa. Uh, I had them at five and seven. You had them at six and six. It, but I just so you you saw Boston College in the last game before they really caught fire as Virginia Tech twenty three to ten uh, win in Blacksburg. Was was there some sort of inkling there that Boston College was about to break out, or did this literally come out of nowhere in Louisville? Kind of came out of nowhere. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, bigger picture. The one thing about offensive coordinator Scott Leffler is that when he finds something that works, he doesn't go away from it. And that's, you take the good and the bad with that, right? Uh, it could be a blessing and a curse watching his offenses perform as I did in Blacksburg when he was the Virginia Tech offensive coordinator under Frank Beamer. It reminds me of the 2015 season for the Hokies when they found out they had this shiny new toy, freshman running back Trayvon McMillan. And he was running over everybody from like the the NC State game that season on. And it was much similar results to what we just saw with Boston College. So the fact that this ended up working out where they found out A.J. Dillon was really good and they kind of rode him through the rest of the season offensively didn't surprise me at all. Uh, That's kind of been Scott Leffler's thing. And it worked out Uh, to answer your question overall. Was there an inkling after, you know, B.C. lost to Virginia Tech that they were close? No. Uh, there really wasn't. Uh, they they threw the ball a decent bit in that game, and defensively they weren't great. It was an ugly win for Virginia Tech, uh, twenty three to ten, and it just didn't really seem like Boston College was ever in it or really even competitive. So the fact that they would go on to win five out of their next six before the bowl game against Iowa was a complete surprise. It kind of came out of left field. Yeah, it's it's very telling if you just look at AJ Dillon's stat lines, like where this whole thing turned around. Uh, through the Virginia Tech game, he had only gone over 60 yards once. Um, he was getting less than 20 carries a game on average. And then yardage totals for the rest of the season, 
272, 89, 149, 196, 200, 193, 157. That'll do it. Uh, yeah, in the first six games, he had two touchdowns. In the final seven, he had 12. So clearly there was a point in there where the Eagles found out something that was going to work, um, and then they kept going to it, which is the sign of a good offensive coordinator, which I, I don't know if I would go that far with Scott Leffler. But yeah, don't, don't do that. It, it's at least a sign of not a very dumb offensive coordinator. If that's That's probably not a very intelligent way of putting it, but whatever. Uh, Mike, best win. You could kind of go a couple directions with this. Boston College had a Friday night win where they absolutely beat down Florida State. Uh, that was a, a really impressive statement win. Of course, a down Florida State team, but at the very least, I mean, it's Boston College kicking the crap out of Florida State. Like by itself, that's pretty impressive. I think if it's me, I'm saying the most impressive win was the 45-42 win over Louisville, um, that they were able to break out of this skid and, and really have that breakout game. Um, that's what really sparked this whole thing down the stretch. And so at that point, you know, Louisville's still playing okay. Um, we talked on a previous podcast about how this, you know, this wasn't a pretty loss for Louisville and, and it's not good, but it doesn't always have to be a, a zero sum game. You know, just cause it was a bad loss for Louisville doesn't mean it wasn't a really good win for Boston college. And, and I would say that that win, you know, where it happened and what it resulted in down the stretch, I think that to me was the best win that Boston college had all year. Uh, yeah, uh, to your point, it was on the road as well, and it mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. It really did come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, they they scored 28 against Central Michigan two weeks prior. They only scored 10 against Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, before those two games, you know, they played Notre Dame at home, only scored 20 points, only scored 10 points against Wake, only scored seven against Clemson. So it was like an offense that is pretty stereotypical of Boston College at least in the last 10 years, 10 or 12 years without Matt Ryan, it's like, okay, offense is going to score 15 to 20 points a game. And they're going to pray that the defense produces enough stops to get the job done. And then out of nowhere, you have the 45 points against Louisville, 41 against Virginia, 35 against Florida state, Uh, you know, only scored 14 against NC state, but then had 39 against Utah, UConn and 42 against Syracuse. So all of a sudden Boston college looks like one of the best offenses in the ACC. And the trigger point to that was at Louisville game. So yeah, I'd, I'd consider that the jumping off point. I think the best win for me has to be against Florida state. Uh, I was in Blacksburg that weekend. I remember texting you, Joey on that Friday night, and it was a screenshot of the final score. And I told you, you know, is this real? <laughs> is this actually happening? 35 to three. And I understand Florida State, all the athletes in the world completely mailed it in. I get that. But you lose by 32 points to Boston College, who couldn't score any points like three weeks before that. They couldn't put any points on the board. And now mm-hmm. they're scoring 35 against a Florida State defense that, quite honestly, you and I thought was going to be one of the best units in the ACC. So I think that um, on paper, at least at the start of the season, I think if you would, t- if, if we had, uh, projected out and we said, yeah, hey, Florida State's going to lose to Boston College 35-3. to Hands down would have been the best win, but I think for the reason you mentioned, it was the jumping off point uh, in that Louisville game, so I completely see that as well. Worst loss, I think there's a couple ways you could look at this too, but um, to me, the worst, or at least the toughest loss, I think, to swallow was uh, the, the 17-14 home loss to NC State, that was the only loss in the middle of that you know final six games of the year. They were 5-1. and one. Well, the one was a three-point loss to NC State, 17-14. Um, they had NC State on the ropes, you know, were, were winning the game into the fourth quarter, and then NC State scores late, and Boston College unable to get anything done 
before the end of the game. They had a uh, they had a turnover on downs in the NC State red zone with about four minutes left that uh, was pretty soul crushing to have to deal with. But um, I, I would say that was a tough loss. The other one was probably the bowl game, um, a, a loss to Iowa, 27-20. Uh, Iowa also, again, scores a late touchdown uh, to really put the game away. So there were a couple of tough losses in there, but I, I think that those losses you feel a lot better about than the multi-score losses that were you know, the first four of the year, 34-10, 49-20, 34-7, 23-10. Like, those are games where you're almost not even competitive. Um, at the very least, these are games that you were competitive. It was a close game, and you almost had something. So um, I, if I'm a Boston College fan, I'm much more encouraged about the NC State and Iowa losses than any of the first four of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It just felt differently when they lost those two games. It's like, okay, well, they played two pretty decent teams and just came up a little bit short versus, wow, we're not competitive against Wake Forest. And, you know, no offense to Wake Forest. Wake Forest was excellent this year. John Wolford was great. Uh, they were a great story. I would have liked to have seen that Wake Forest game a little bit later in the year. And we see Boston College and Wake Forest. We've seen that game in late October, early November, multiple times. Uh, to see it in week two and to see where Wake Forest was, it was then and really was all year versus how BC kind of went through this swale at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden they came out of nowhere and they were just one of the best offenses, not only in the ACC, but in the country in the last five weeks of the season. I would have loved to have seen that game later in the year. Uh, that's a really tough loss to swallow because I think Boston College, as far as skill level is concerned, matches up with Wake Forest fine. Uh, Boston College doesn't match up athletically uh, with the talent they have against Notre Dame or Clemson, so those losses are expected, uh, even with Virginia Tech as well. Uh, but I think as far as you know, coming up just short, that NC State loss, that's, that's the one I think you're going to circle back to. NC State, of course, ranked. You had that game at home. And uh, BC couldn't finish the job and really couldn't get much going all day offensively after being so great on offense three weeks prior to that and the two weeks following. I think that's the one we're going to circle back and say, man, I wish we could have had that one. Mike, trivia time. I know how much you love trivia. I love trivia. I, I know that you actually hate trivia. But how many years, has Scott, uh, how many years has Steve Adazio been the head coach of Boston College? Oh, uh, boy. Uh, is this year five? This was year five. That is correct. The actual tough trivia question here, how many of those five years that Steve Adazio has been at Boston College, how many of them have they gone seven and six? Uh, four. That would be four of them. That's correct again. Uh, oh. Steve Adazio now for the fourth time in five years at Boston College has gone seven and six. Uh, overall, he is two games under 500. He's 10 games under 500 in conference. But they keep making bowl games and they keep, you know, getting to that seven win plateau. Is Steve Adazio a good coach? Uh, man, I wrote that column in October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm you happy. did. You did. Uh, I did. I Let's said, talk about man, it, Mike. Uh, God, do we have to? Um, I mean, we don't have to, but we kind we of have to. We might owe it to the people to talk about it. Yeah. So the reason I was able to pull out the fifth season, the fourth season going seven and six is because those are numbers that I was kind of projecting towards and referencing in that article. I thought that BC would end up at seven and six this year uh, when I wrote that article and they did. Uh, yeah, they're they're very mediocre every year, but I feel like they might've found something with AJ Dillon. If they had a quarterback literally at all during Adazio's tenure, 
this is an eight or nine win team pretty regularly. And it's not a team that maybe competes in the Atlantic the last few years just because Clemson has been so good. But I think it's a team that's in that that's trying to break into that top three or four in the conference um, or in the division. I mean, I'm sorry. And that, that would be good enough, right? You get to nine wins and you're hanging tough with Louisville or, you know, Florida State or NC State. You're right there. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that if you're a BC fan, especially with all the issues they've had recruiting to their facilities and they're not getting the best players they can possibly get. You take that. So is Adazio a good coach? I think he's good at coaching what he has. But, you know, I think they could do a little bit better recruiting. Um, I thought offensively up until October, they were completely inept. And it's been a problem his entire tenure there. So there's a lot that remains unanswered going into 2018. And I think the offense shows what they showed in the last five games or six games, really, of the regular season. Um, And they're able to run the football as well as they did. And they get a little bit more out of their quarterback play. Take pressure off their quarterback, quite honestly. I think you feel a little bit better about the Steve Adazio tenure if you're a Boston College fan. I, I think it really all comes down to the offense and how well they've played because the defense has been phenomenal the entire time he's been there. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned having a good quarterback, you know, or even a, a passable quarterback, I would say, pardon the pun. Right. Um, we talked about at one point, I think late in the year, that if Boston College had Patrick Tolles in 2017 instead of 2016, I bet you this team wins at least two more games. Like this is probably like a nine and four kind of team rather than seven and six. Boston College on the year averaged less than six yards per attempt passing, which is absolutely abysmal. Um, they only had two, or excuse me, they had three games all year where they averaged better than seven yards per attempt. Passing, that is embarrassingly bad. Um, that's really, really bad. Um, Not great. And Patrick Tolles, at the very least, would give some semblance of like a deep ball threat. You know, he he could kind of push the ball down the field. And and his passing numbers last year didn't even look any better than they look the the team looked this year. But I, I mean, the passing numbers looked better towards the end of the season because they had a running threat with AJ Dillon. Uh, so you pair that up with Patrick Tolles, you know, cannon of an arm, and he's not perfectly accurate. But at the very least, you know, you're getting some sort of deep ball threat that. Uh, really opens things up, I think. Um, and so I, I think that's very clearly the thing that this offense has been missing for years is some sort of credible quarterback, deep ball type of threat. Um, and yeah, the defense has been pretty good, even since losing Don Brown to Michigan a couple of years ago. I mean, they've held, they've hung in there. They've been fine. Um, so I, you know, if you're Boston College, yes, they need to be recruiting better, but I also don't know what you can really expect from this program, given where you know the college football arms race has gone and what Boston College has not done to keep up with that. Um, and that's not necessarily a knock on them. It's just to say that they're not anywhere near the same class as Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, you know, Florida State, you name it. Um, the problem starts to arise when you have to compete with those teams in your own division um, and you're not really keeping up. Um, so it's, I, I don't know who's going to do a whole lot better. And I don't know who realistically Boston college is going to go get other than Steve Adazio is going to do a whole lot better. So, you know, I, I'm not looking for Boston college to fire him anytime soon necessarily, but does it leave something to be desired? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there, there is more potential here than, uh, than Adazio is realizing, uh, at least for the time being. 
Uh, I want to circle back real quick on your Patrick Tolls point and having him on the 2018 or 2017 team and, you know, even on 2018 team next year because they're returning so much talent. Uh, Patrick Toll's strength was in the play action passing game. He would have been absolutely perfect for this offense had they realized that they had this sort of running game a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. It would have been phenomenal. And that was his strength, and that's what he was best at. And when Boston College played well in 2016, it was when they were able to establish a running game and give Patrick Tolles easy passing opportunities and get him comfortable in the pocket. Uh, I think on the 2017 team here, you know, the way they ran the ball, especially in the second half of the season, if they had Patrick Tolles, I agree with you. I think this is at least two wins better. I think they beat NC State, and they probably win the bowl game. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you had this running game all the way through, you're pretty competitive with Wake Forest as well. So it's amazing. As good as the running game has been for BC here in the second half of the year, having a quarterback would have won them at least two more games. A competent quarterback anyway. Well, in, in talking about the zero-sum game thing, it's like I don't know if we if we credit Steve Adazio and his coaching staff for figuring out that they had a run game or you knock them for taking half the season to figure that out. Um like, like you mentioned, I mean, you don't know what they're going to do earlier in the year against Wake Forest or some of these teams if, if they have figured that out beforehand. But it did take them six full games of, of two and four football, you know, and, and getting blown out in several of those games to figure that out. Um, so I, I don't really know how much you credit them or discredit them for what happened or how it happened. Um, but at the very least, I mean, there's there's potential for Boston College going forward if they can tighten up the passing game a little bit, I think. Uh, looking at 2018, Mike, UMass, Holy Cross, Purdue, and Temple is a pretty forgiving out-of-conference schedule. Um, I, I think you take that every time. That's probably two wins to start the year. I Be careful with UMass. UMass can be a little bit tricky at times, but um, I think it's a pretty solid out-of-conference out of slate in September. The problem is you've got at Wake Forest on a Thursday night mixed in in the middle. Um I think there's there is a potential chance here, Mike, that Boston College is coming out of the first five games of September five and zero. I think that they can win any of those games. What's is that more realistic, or if you're just being real here, like what is what do you expect Boston College to do coming out of that five game stretch? Um, I think realistically, this is this should be should be at least four and one. Um. I think five and zero is realistic. I think three and two is realistic. Um, UMass and Holy Cross got to win those two games at Wake and at Purdue. Uh, you mentioned this before we hit record. I think if Boston College has one of those two games at home, or even both of those games at home, you feel a lot better about it. Uh, the fact you have to play Wake Forest on Thursday night on the road is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the fact that they have nine games, nine games, nine days to prepare uh, for Purdue at least nine games, nine days separating the two games. Um, really, you have like eight full days to prepare. And I think you feel pretty good about that, even though it's on the road, Purdue's a decent team. BC is going to be pretty good too, I think. And then Temple, you got to win. So I I think at worst three and two, and that would be a scenario where you drop both road games. I think all the home games in that stretch are winnable. Um, so I think at worst, you're three and two. I think five and oh is pretty realistic as well. But Four and one, I think, is what I'd go with just because you have back-to-back road games in there against two pretty competent football teams. So, you know, if you split there, it's not the worst thing in the world. 
Yeah, that, that's a nasty two-game road stretch uh, at Wake Forest on a Thursday and then at Purdue, uh, a likely improving Purdue team. I, I think worst case, absolute worst case, I think you're talking about two and three. I think they'll beat Holy Cross. I think they'll beat Temple. They should beat UMass. You never know, in-state rivalry kind of deal. Um, I'm thinking three and two or four and one. I don't think they're going to go five and zero oh across that stretch. And then from there down the stretch, Mike, at NC State, home against Louisville, and then buckle your seatbelts, home against Miami, at Virginia Tech, home against Clemson, at Florida State, four straight weeks. That could get ugly. Uh, and then home against Syracuse to finish the season out. You better get your winning done before November because that four-game stretch of Miami, Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Florida State is about as nasty as any four-game stretch on any ACC team schedule throughout the league in 2018. Yeah. You're arguably playing the two best coastal teams and the two best Atlantic teams in a four-week stretch. <laughs> like, someone hates Boston College at the scheduling office, I feel like. I mean, at least they get two of them at home. I, I don't yeah. know. Um, now Miami, Miami at home on a Friday night could get a little bit weird. So keep an eye on that one. I agree. And BC will have a bye week before that Miami game as well. So that's, you know, in and of itself, a Friday night game is intriguing, but the fact they have an extra week to prepare for that as well, uh, for BC, I think makes it Mm -hmm. a little bit more interesting, um, at Blacksburg. I mean, BC struggles with the Hokies and Blacksburg. Uh, I think, but I do, I will say as weird as that Miami game is on Friday night, I think if Boston College is looking for a best opportunity to pull an upset in that four-game stretch, I do think it's in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech's really? losing so, they're losing Virginia Tech's losing so much on defense. They're losing two starting linebackers. They're losing uh, Greg Stroman and Faison and uh, Terrell Edmonds in the secondary. They're losing Tim Settle up front. There's just a lot of changes going on that defense. And by November, Virginia Tech should have a lot of that figured out, but on paper, at least going into the season, Virginia Tech losing as much as they are on defense. I think that's a game that Boston College, if they're able to get things going in the running game, it could be a little bit more difficult for Virginia Tech to win that game than most just because BC can keep the ball out of the Hokies' hands and that sort of thing. Um, hey, fair enough. You know more and, about it than I do. <laughs> hey, and they got Clemson and Florida State the following two weeks, and I don't feel good about either of those two games if I'm a BC fan. Because uh, Florida State's going to actually want to play for Willie Taggart next year, and Clemson's going to be the best team in the country. So <laughs> that's yeah. that's kind of that's where we're at. You know what the schedule looks like to me, Mike? Seven and six. Seven and six looks like yeah. a seven and six kind of schedule. Yep. Um, I think they'll be able to beat Louisville at home. Uh, they beat them this year. I think it's going to be uh, even better at home this year. Um, I think they'll beat Syracuse. They'll probably finish somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Division, um, I, but. That is a nasty four-game stretch, and I'm guessing they're going to lose another one here or there throughout the schedule. So, yeah, I think it feels pretty safe to go seven and six at this point. Is that fair? Yeah, and regardless of whether or not that seventh win comes in a bowl game or you know regular season, it's you know semantics at this point. Yeah, well, we we know the uh, the point that this is all converging towards. So, uh, you know, that's it. Like anything else in Boston What's that? They'll have a good team next year. Yeah, they'll, they'll be pretty good. But again, they play in the Atlantic Division, and that's where a, a, a rising tide is lifting You know, Wake Forest. And Syracuse might be better one of these years. We'll see. Um, they get It's a bad year to draw Miami out of comp, or on the cross-divisional uh, game. Uh, going to Purdue, not ideal at this point. You know, there's 
this schedule is trickier than it should be in, in a lot of years, um, just because of the way that a couple of these teams are kind of rising and falling. So, um, it, again, another situation where Boston College might be good and or you know better than they were in 2017, and they might have the same or a worse record. I mean, that's a, that's a possibility here. Um, Mike, anything else in Boston College before we get out of here? I think we're good. All right. Well, we're going to go uh, recap some more teams. In the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, whatever you want, to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. They can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference, rate, review, find all of our podcasts there, Joey. They can, and they should, and they have been, and we appreciate that very much. Uh, facebook.com slash basketball conference. You can also find us on YouTube now. Uh, we have our own channel on YouTube. If you want to come watch us talk about stuff rather than just listening to us talk about stuff, uh, just search for basketball conference. We don't have a fancy URL or anything, so you'll have to go find our channel, but we'll have videos of our, uh, you know, these little conversations we're having on Skype. Uh, they'll be posted there. Go find them. Go hit the subscribe button. I think if you get to like 100 subscribers, you get a fancy URL. So one day, pie in the sky. Mike, anything else before we get out of here and go recap some more teams? I think we're all set, by. I think so, too. This has been a good uh, a good 20-minute Boston College recap. So uh, dilly-dilly. Well, for that guy over there, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.